Hey there, this is Nathan Agan, and welcome to The Working Actor's Journey, connecting you with lifelong professionals. Today on the show is our second Acting the Role discussion with returning guest Reed Burney. This was originally broadcast live on Facebook in December 2021 and marks our third installment in our Chekhov series as we focus on Reed playing the role of Uncle Vanya. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out the two most recent episodes of our Vanya Workshop and Libby Apple's Q&A. I suspect you'll have an even deeper appreciation of and curiosity for the works of Chekhov. This episode also concludes Season 5, which began way back in March. We've released a dozen episodes this year, from interviews to workshops to text work and Q&As. Thank you to everyone listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this season as much as I have. I'd love to hear if you have a favorite episode, guest, or moment. I'm also excited to share that we just passed 40,000 downloads, and the show regularly appears in the top 100 of arts podcasts around the world. Now, this podcast is designed to show you how the work is done, what the realities of the working actor life are like, and to share all the different ways actors have come to this career. There is no one path and no single answer. We want to learn from all of those further down the road, to shorten the learning curve and to discover what helps and what doesn't when it comes to having a lifelong career as an actor. In this chat, you'll hear Reed and I talk about his ideas going into Chekhov, what he discovered and connected with about the role, trusting the script, challenges in the production, and playing trapped characters. We also learn lots more about Reed in our lightning round with a couple special New York questions. Our guest, Reed Burney, is a Tony winner for The Humans, a Tony nominee for Casa Valentina, and you can see him in the film Mass, now streaming on Hulu and elsewhere, HBO's Succession, Apple's Home Before Dark, and currently in theaters in The Menu with Ray Fiennes. He also just closed a production of Chester Bailey with his son Ephraim at Irish Rep in New York. This guy just keeps working. But before all of that, Reed played Uncle Vanya at Soho Rep. The production had a unique set and style, and I was eager to talk about this production with him and his take on the character. I deeply appreciate Reed's time, and I enjoyed getting to chat with him again. Lots of laughs, and he has such an honest and fantastic perspective on this life. I highly recommend checking out his full interview in Season 2. Such a great conversation and example of someone going through peaks and valleys and finding success. Reed is always so generous and open, and I'm thrilled we could bring you this discussion. So here we go with acting the role. Please enjoy my Uncle Vanya chat with Reed Burney. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, I'm really excited about the uh, conversation today with uh, our guest, Reed Burney. Reed, thank you so much for for being here, being part of this. Great to be here. And uh, yeah, so these sessions for anyone new, uh, we've been doing a a couple of these and and hope to do more. Uh, But these live sessions, one of the things we've been using these for is uh, for one actor to kind of dive a a little bit deeper on one role. Uh, So we have a little bit more time to just talk about what that one character and approaches, uh, concerns, challenges, things like that. And, uh, you know, since we're uh, live here on Facebook, I will do my best 
to kind of monitor the the chat and, and things like that to uh, you know bring in any questions or comments uh, any of those watching have. So let me introduce very quickly uh, our guest for those who uh, might be unfamiliar with uh, Reed's um, full body of work. I mean, I won't go through the whole thing, but he has done uh, quite a bit. I will say, uh, you know, he is a Tony winner for the humans. Uh, he's also a Tony nominee for Casa Valentina. You can see him in the new film Mass, uh, HBO's Succession, and Apple's Home Before Dark. But uh, why we're here, and before all of that happened in Reed's life, uh, Reed played Uncle Vanya in uh, Chekhov's play at Soho Rep in New York. Uh, and so that's what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the character of Uncle Vanya and uh, anything that uh, you, know, you remember and, and things like that. But um, what I wanted to start with is... You know, a lot of people think about these types of playwrights, whether it's Shakespeare or Chekhov or Pinter, and you start to think about, well, there, there must be a there, there's a style to this or, or there's a way to play it. And so I was curious, you know, if you can recall, what did you have in your head about, you know, doing Chekhov coming into that production where you and, you know, I'll follow it up from there. But why don't we start from that point? Well, it's it's I've only done two Chekhov plays and and. Um, Vanya was the second of the two mm -hmm. before that I had done the cherry orchard at Williamstown in 2004, I believe, which was, um, you know, way too fast. All those summer stock things or two weeks rehearsals, but it was a beautiful production, but a much more traditional production. It was, you know, period costumes and high button shoes and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Um, so I had uh, some experience and some sense of what, Chekhov was going to be. But when we got around to doing Uncle Vanya, mm -hmm. um, Annie Baker and Sam Gold had this notion in their head. They said, why, why is it when you sit around your living room reading mm -hmm. Chekhov and eating chili and drinking beer, why are they so much more interesting than when you go to see them in the theater and people are parading around with parasols and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all that stuff? Is there a way to have a production be as lively and vital as it is in your living room mm -hmm. and, and have it be fully rehearsed and, and all that? So um, Annie set about to find a to create a translation that was completely uh, American, modern, mm -hmm. still set in in Russia. We still had samovars. We didn't we didn't update it. There were no cell sure. phones. Um, it was the play, but um, as if we were alive then, mm, now. Okay. Does that makes sense? I think you know what I mean. It's, uh, to make it as contemporaneous as possible. Right, right. Um, I know that she struggled with the famous word that Astroff says um, most people are, and it's usually fools mm -hmm. or idiots. and. Um, that never felt right to Annie. So she had a literal translation from a woman who spoke completely uh, fluid, fluent Russian. And then she did her Annie Baker thing on top of it. And so she, the, what she came up with was the closest equivalent in our language to what she thought Chekhov was trying to say with his Russian mm -hmm. word, to which there is no direct translation, was creeps. Mm. Most people are creeps. And that means a very specific thing to us sure, yeah. in America. Um, but she thought that that was, was um, the right word. 
anyhow, that sort of informed how we, the style of our production. It The audience was on benches, not even benches. They were like platforms. There were no chairs. Hmm. They were carpeted, shag carpeted. And so people were sort of sitting around like they would be right. in a living room. And um, there were some chairs for people that couldn't sit Indian style. Yep. Um, and uh, so we really approached it as if it were a modern play. Hmm. Um, I think it's always useful, honestly, to not torture yourself with the idea of a style. Mm -hmm. There is a style. Of course, there's a style. There's a style sure. to Restoration Comedy and Noel Coward and right. all of those things. But I think the starting point, the jumping off place has to be mm -hmm. telling the truth sure. um, for that character. And then, and then I think the style that you put on top of it is perhaps the morals and manners and constraints of the day, of the time period, um, that would uh, affect the character's behaviors. Mm, okay. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. So was there anything that you were um, nervous about going into the production? Yeah, I was I was just nervous about the whole thing. Oh, really? Doing checkoff in New York, and it was a a big a big stinking part. And Annie had written it for me. Yeah. Um, for some reason, she and Sam were sitting around at one point, maybe during Circle Mirror Transformation, and thought, you know who Reed is? <laughs> He's Uncle Vanya. <laughs> He's a cranky old guy. Um, when I was in college at Boston University, I remember somebody brought up Uncle Vanya, as they are wont to do in college. Sure. And I remember looking at it and thinking, well, there's nothing for me in that play. <laughs> You're all old. And I never, ever thought about it. I never thought about playing Uncle Vanya. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there it was. And in fact, I was already... A little old for it. He mm -hmm. yeah. he says he's forty seven. Right, right. And I think I was, I think I was fifty four. Okay. And I did it, and they made me shave my head. I think to get rid of all my gray hair, um, so that I could, you know, my my baby face yep. could perhaps pull off the forty seven year old thing. And so, were there were, were there particular things that either you discovered? I mean, I, the discovery is kind of in a couple ways discovered about the part and or discovered about yourself at, you know, in terms of connecting with it as you, as you started working on it and even maybe in the, the, you know, uh, the performances. I'm sure there were many things. Um, some of the things that sort of popped to mind are, mm -hmm. you know, um, those plays, he calls those plays comedies mm -hmm. and, you know, there have been endless books written and conversations had about what's funny about them. Everybody's mm -hmm. so miserable. Yeah. Um, but I think he meant, I think he meant comedy. I think he meant literally comedies, but I also think he meant the human comedy. Um, just the follies and foibles mm -hmm. of mankind. Because those plays certainly showcase that. Mm. How, um, you know, we get so caught up in our own navel gazing and, uh, inability to sort of see beyond ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, 
that was very useful for me to sort of see if, in fact, Annie and Sam thought I was Uncle Vanya. Mm-hmm. What about me mm-hmm. made them feel that way? So um, it was good for me to sort of see how uh, poor Vanya really spinning his wheels, so tortured. Some of it real, but some a lot of it of his own, his own despair. Sure. His inability to kind of connect with Yelena and his dreams not having come true. I think everybody can relate to that. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, were there, were there points when you looked back, you know, even at 54 or whatever it was, you know, points in your twenties or thirties or forties where you could, you could very specifically identify with some of the things Vanya was going through in, in terms oh, sure. of your own, Yeah. Sure. You know, if you if you decided to be an actor Mm -hmm. in New York in your 20s, you are full of hopes and dreams and wild aspirations, Mm -hmm. um, which I think Vanya certainly has had. I think like like me and like a lot of people, I think suddenly Vanya found himself middle aged Mm -hmm. and none of those dreams had come true. Right. And um, he was. Completely bewildered about how that happened. Where yeah. was I when my life happened? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's working the farm and he's taking care of people and all of a sudden it's like, hey, wait a minute. Right. What did I get out of this? Right, right. And 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 then, you know, of course, like uh, the climax or, you know, one of the climaxes of the play is that uh, the professor's, he's planning to sell the farm, right? Isn't that what he's... No. Yeah, yeah, so it's just like this thing I've I've spent my life working towards assuming is going to be mine. Nothing. Like, I, what do I get from this? I'm literally being kicked out. Yeah. Uh, with no thought as to my feelings or where I'm going to go, mm. which is, I think, Vanya's biggest nightmare is that he right. has been unconsidered. Right, right. Now, do you feel like you understood either the character or the play a little bit better at the age you were than if you had been, you know, age right for the part or in your early forties, you know, it had been 10 years earlier. Do you, you know, you know, who knows, Nathan? Um, I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure being six or seven years older than the character. I would like to think that I had learned some things in those six or seven years, past right. 47. Right. Um, but I think by the time I was 47, I probably, I probably could have uh, brought, you know, that life experience. Cause I mean, for, for, for you, like your career tra- trajectory, I mean, I know you've often mentioned the play blasted, which was yeah. before this and had you done that? I, I, I how, how old were you when you did blasted? Do you remember? I was, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, Vanya was 2012. Yeah. So I was 50. I was older than that. I was 10 years older than Vanya. Okay. I was 57 or 58. I was okay. 54 when I did Blast It. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know, you had seen your own kind of career, you know, not go maybe in the direction that you had thought in your 20s it was going to go. Sure. And then And then suddenly, you know, unlike Vanya, you know, things do change for you and, you, and you've been on a, a really nice trajectory since then. And so, you know, it must've been just very interesting for you personally to, to kind of see those two different lives of like, you know, what, what would Reed's life have been 
if he hadn't done blasted, if it scared him, if it had scared him too much to do it. And, you know, well, I know we wouldn't be talking today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that much I know. (laughs) I can safely say. Um, Oh, sure. You know, I mean, how how often do we think, you know, what if, what right, might sure, have been? Sure. Um, I was, you know, in my 50s, mm-hmm. and the role I had played just before Blasted, I'd had seven lines, mm. and it wasn't a terribly good play, and it was a, not a very good part. And I really thought, oh, it's it's over. This is, if this mm. is the best I can get at this very late date in my career. Right. Hmm. Why would I presume to think that anything is going to happen from here? And so it was one of those real miracles that I think has given a lot of people hope. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit the poster boy for perseverance. Yeah. Um, And I don't mind that because I think perseverance is really essential. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I lived long enough struggling and I struggle still, you know, I mean, there's not, it's not like I'm Tom Hanks wandering around town, turning those <laughs> things down. Um, but uh, I, I remember very clearly the mm. despair that followed mm. me for most of my life. Mm. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, certainly that's not necessarily something that, People want to spend time in remembering that kind of stuff, but but seems very pertinent when approaching a character like Vanya. You know, well, I I would venture to say it's very pertinent for almost any character ever written. I guess so. (laughs) Isn't that the human tradition? Lives of quiet desperation. Yeah, this Uh, isn't this isn't turning out how I thought. You know, I mean, yeah, just basically that's that's the subtext of almost everybody. Yeah. Yeah, and I think and I think it's essential to know that and yeah. and uh, to know what that is and mm-hmm. to sort of embrace it is too strong a word, but to acknowledge it and yeah. to uh, recognize that that is um, a big part of the human condition. Yeah. So so once once you you know start getting into rehearsals and and you know certainly this might apply to other other plays you've done subsequently or, or even film or TV work, but. How do you how do you trust the script? And certainly in this case, it was it was a new translation. But how do you trust the script and then also trust yourself in terms of some of the choices you're making? Um, that's an interesting question, Nathan. Um, I think what it is, I think, you know. I say this all the time to my students, but I don't think there's any place for fear on stage, honestly. Mm. Uh, you can be as scared as you want in the dressing room and throw up and all that stuff. But once you walk on stage, you have to be absolutely certain that you belong there mm-hmm. and that you deserve to be there. Um, I did a thing in in uh, the Cherry Orchard when I was playing Gaev mm-hmm. in the opening scene when they first arrive home where Gaev, you know, who's really a kind of a foolish character, mm-hmm. uh, was sort of going on and on about this sideboard, this cupboard, this beloved cupboard. Yep. And the the doors were open. And um, 
one day in rehearsal, I was going rhapsodizing about the cupboard and I sort of went up to the cupboard and closed the doors around me. They were curved. Oh, okay. Yeah. And sort of, <laughs> and I thought, holy cow, that's fantastic. <laughs> what did, where'd that come from? And a couple of other people in the play were like, that was unbelievable. Mm. What an amazing sort of what somebody called it a coup de théâtre, and the director wouldn't let me do it, uh, and I never understood why. Mm. He said, "Yeah, don't do that." Mm. I thought, "Wow, that that says everything you need to know about who that guy is." Right, he's out of his mind, <laughs> but um, but he didn't like it, so huh. so I didn't do it. Right, and uh, you know that was a choice I thought was dead on. Right. And then the director, who's a wonderful director, Michael Greif, uh, and it was a wonderful production, didn't, didn't want it for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah. So has it been a, looking back, do you feel like it's been a process? Do you feel like you started out with that kind of confidence on stage or has it grown over time just, you know, or, or changed, you know, over time in terms of that? You, you know, I mean, obviously, yeah, I don't think we're talking about a sense of, you never think you're doing anything wrong on stage, no, but just no, no. but but just having that um, uh, the confidence to forge ahead and try things. Yes, um, I think I I think I always was inventive and free on stage in a mm -hmm. in a good way. Yeah, um, I know that Joe Mantello, who's a, who directed The Humans and Casa Valentina, who is a fantastic director, mm -hmm. he really is so grateful when actors bring in ideas. Mm. I think he finds it agony to have to spoon feed people. Right. Things, you know, so if you come in as like, well, what if I flop on this couch? Right. And that's a starting place. Right. You know, he can at least say, well, hey, maybe, maybe do it this way or, or, yeah, you know, or the right. couch flopping is fantastic. Yeah, exactly. You know, so uh, he can then be an external eye and an editor. Yeah. And stuff, but you know, so so I, I do think that that kind of um, inventiveness sounds uh, sounds a little bit like showing off and mm -hmm. you know coming up with stuff for the sake of coming up. I'm just talking about being alive on stage sure. and letting impulses right uh, happen. And yeah, and especially in rehearsal when that's what that time is for. You know, just try yeah. to come up with stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And see what's going to work. Uh, I mean, that's I it, fun. It sounded like, you know, in, in your new film, Mass, you guys had rehearsal time to think of things and try to come up with much. Stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. Two days, <laughs> it was enough. It was right. enough. Especially yeah. since we spend the whole movie sitting at a table. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. We come up with a lot of yeah. choreography. There was, no, there was no couch flopping in that, in that film. No couch flopping. Um, but, you know, and I think you bring up a really important uh, point there is I think very often, and I definitely do it myself, is that directors seem like these untouchable, uh, omnipotent figures that that have all the answers and all this kind of stuff. And I think it's really important, like you just did, to humanize that role, that these are just people that, yes, they're charged with that job, but they don't have all the answers. They don't know. They may not even know, like, what to do with the scene. And they're looking well, for your ideas. That's right. You know, I mean, and that's in the best of all worlds. That's the collaboration that you are right. seeking. But I have certainly worked with directors who do think they're God, <laughs> who uh, there was one director who showed up the first day with all of the blocking written down. Mm. And now you cross over here and you sit in this chair. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, why am I doing that? Right. Because I've written it down. <laughs> he had been a soap opera director for 10 billion years. And so, he, you know, this is. Sure. But was unable to listen to us and, you know, be flexible and collaborative. Right. So there certainly are terrible directors. Yeah. Full of ego and full of, um, you know, their own stuff. Um that prevents you from doing that in the best of all worlds. You're in a position where you can sort of suss that out before you take the job. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The job. Right. Right. Cause uh, you know, I mean, an, an audition uh, I, again, I think it's important for actors to remember it's kind of a job interview on both sides. You know, well, like, it's absolutely true. And, and a lot of people are not in the position to turn jobs down. They're like, I need yeah. a job. Right. I know this director's <laughs> a jerk, but I'm going to need a job. So I'm going right. to do this crummy job anyway right right Um, yeah because it'll pay the bills and i I enjoy the material but i'm you know you know my my friend is in it and i haven't worked in two years and uh you know it's an okay part yeah you know all the reasons people do stuff of course of course um i'm curious you know i I know you brought up a point earlier about uh annie looking for the right word in the script once you guys started rehearsal for vanya did the script change at all? Were you making suggestions as a cast? I don't know if you remember any of that. Um, very, very up. little. It was, yeah. it was, we had done a couple of um, workshops over the year or so beforehand. We would, most of this people that ended up doing the play got together and, and did these, you know, day readings or two day readings. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annie worked on it, but it didn't, it didn't change very much. She's, she, she pretty much knows what she's doing, what she wants and, um, you know, it's weird how some playwrights, it would never occur to you to say, what does this line mean? Or why am I saying mm-hmm. And Annie's one of those. It just feels like it's not, you just don't want to do that. There's no reason to. Mm-hmm. And then other players like this whole speech has got to go. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. I say this 16 times, please cut it. <laughs> well, uh, you hear those stories in films where somebody just like red, red pen, right through them. Not, yeah. no, we don't need to say any of this. We're cutting yeah. this whole thing. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, now I, I found a quote uh, as I was doing some research about this play and, and, and you doing it. Um, there was a line in uh, the New Yorker kind of talking about this, uh, this production and they were reflecting on a lot of the characters that you had played up to this point and, and uh, including Vanya and they, and looking at, I guess, maybe a number of different parts, they said, uh, you know, that your characters are trapped and they know it and they're angry about it, even as they try to bury their resentment in silence. Does that, does that um, resonate with you at all in terms of, you know, some of the characters you've been playing? Doesn't it resonate with you? I mean, Hilton Owls wrote that and I was like, holy cow, I feel like he's just had a look inside my brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I, think I, I do know those guys. I know, mm-hmm. I know, I know those guys who are trapped and I felt trapped for many years. Maybe that's yeah. why I, I can do them. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I think one of the things about, about Vanya is that he, He's so unhappy and he's so unhappy that he's unhappy. Mm -hmm. He's fully aware that he's a miserable sod. 
and doesn't know how to stop being a miserable sod. Mm. Would love to be not a miserable Right, right, right. Just doesn't know how. Yeah, yeah, you, exactly. You see people that you're just like, God, they, they, seem, they seem just so happy and light. And like, yeah. how do they do that? Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you're like, oh, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to be happy. Except that Elena doesn't love me. Right. Nah. Um, there was a moment in rehearsal that happened that I feel like sort of um, defined Vanya for me. Mm-hmm. Early in the like the first scene of the play, I'm sort of pacing and ranting, very unpleasant. And um, there was an Entenmann's tea cake on the set, yeah, and, and the samovar, yeah. And I'm ranting, and I got myself a cup of tea, rah, 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 rah. and I got myself a piece of this crumb cake, yeah. And I sat down in the chair, and I'm ranting, and I'm shoving this thing into my mouth. And then I realized on this day of rehearsal that my front was completely covered with crumb. And so as I continued to rant, I picked all the crumbs off my sweater and stuck them in my mouth. And I thought, that's who Vanya is. He can't, he can't let it go. If there are crumbs, they're mine. And I'm going to eat them, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like, you know, at least from the outside, you know, looking, looking at your career and, and, and the way, you, you know, through Q&As and things like that, what do you feel like helped you transcend some of that potential resentment? You know, like you said, that that kind of angriness about things not working out the way you want was something you could identify with. But, you know, obviously resentment is something that that can creep in. but did you feel like personally there was something that you found that helped you, you know, kind of Aikido that into like, all right, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let it, you know, be this. And well, getting older mm-hmm. and having my career do better, having children is a big thing, mm-hmm. you know, because suddenly you're aware of people other than yourself. Sure. That you're maybe responsible for, mm-hmm. but I will say Nathan, Winning a Tony doesn't hurt either. <laughs> you know what I mean? I found... A little bit of validation, yeah. Yeah, that that, that really was like, okay, I, I, I used to be very aware of who did and didn't come see my plays, which of my friends didn't come. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. Those stupid emails, come see my play. Right. And, um, and once the... Once I got the Tony, I was like, I don't, I don't actually need anybody to come see my plays anymore. Hmm. I've done 10 billion plays. Yeah. People have seen me. I, I don't, I felt like I didn't have to prove anything mm-hmm. after that. Yeah. And so that, that actually was quite liberating. I know it sounds incredibly shallow, but um, that was the biggest takeaway for me from from winning the Tony is that it, it, um, I was sort of able to own my confidence. Well, and, and I, I, you know, I'm not going to put this term on you, but the way I would view it, if I were in that position, the, is that it feels like acceptance on some level. And, and that is an extremely human, you know, need. And so whether it's, 
you know, whether it, you know, in this case happened to be the Tony or something else that it's just like, I feel accepted now. And, and of course, you know, you know, even a better word than accepted is acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I felt like I had some, that my work had some value. Mm -hmm. Right. And this right. is the thing, you know, that I think was the source of my great sadness for many, many years. And for so many actors I know who are struggling is they don't feel valued. Yeah. Um, and, you know, somebody could look at them and say, well, it's their ego. They're not, you know, they're, they want to show off and they're not given a place to show off. And it's, but it's not that. Mm -hmm. Because I really, I had decades to sort of think about this. It's really about feeling that you have a point. Mm -hmm. There's a point to your life. There's, you know, something that you are giving to people. It's a funny way. It's your ministry. Mm -hmm. And um, if you don't have anybody in the church, it's, you're not doing anything. You're just talking into air. Right, right. Now, I I am curious. You brought up the the staging of the play. Yeah. Um, you know, what was it like playing so close to the audience that I'm, I'm sure you were very aware of the people the whole time. You know, you could, yeah. you could see them. So well, you, sometimes you'd have to step over their legs to <laughs> cross the stage. It was it was thrilling. It was really thrilling and and somewhat terrifying. But um, you know you got used to it pretty quickly, and you were able to sort of build your own weird fourth wall. There would be times where a good friend would be in the very front row and literally be two and a half feet from me. Yeah, and I wouldn't realize <laughs> they were there until the curtain call. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. You knew that people were there. I mean, right, of course, yeah, people were there, but. Um, uh, my eyes were not good. I've had them <laughs> fixed since then, but okay. I didn't, and I wasn't wearing my glasses. And so um, I couldn't have seen them anyway. <laughs> and and this, this, now, the, okay, so now this was before the, 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 the Tony Award, but, uh, you know, it was almost like, uh, it, it's kind of like uh, almost a little bit earlier, you didn't need, you, know, you didn't care who came to your play because you couldn't see them anyway. It didn't, didn't matter. <laughs> no, because if you, if they didn't come, then they couldn't tell you afterwards how how good they right, were. Right, 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 or or the dreaded like you were having a lot of fun up there. That's oh, uh, well, listen, <laughs> yeah. Back the backstage phenomenon is really you know, it's fascinating the people that get mad at you if you don't give good backstage and then come to your play and give terrible backstage. So was um was really there an obligation? Yeah, I know, I know. Um, was there anything uh, about the, you know, uh, a particular scene in the play uh, that that really challenged you? Like, I mean, I know there's obviously the moment we talked about when Vanya kind of learns what the professor's plan is and kind of loses it and attempts murder. But was was there anything that you remember, like really struggling, trying to trying to figure out or, or get inside or, or was was the well, crumbs moment just kind of unlocked everything? Um, you know, there were a couple of things. There's Vanya's big monologue is, um, in the middle of the night in the second act. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we sort of struggled with what is that? What, who's he talking to? Mm -hmm. You know, it's this, it's this antique device of these asides to the audience. 
And that didn't feel right to suddenly look at the audience and mm-hmm. say, you know, here's what I'm thinking. Right, right. Um, and uh, I know we struggled with that. And the thing we landed on was he is talking, is literally talking to himself and not talking to himself as if he, he were a separate person. Mm-hmm. So it's not just I'm thinking out loud. It really was, hey, you know what, Vanya, you got to think about this. Mm-hmm. And that that sort of freed it up. It was also challenging because the audience was literally all the way around us. So, um, you know, you had to be very aware that you had to keep turning around mm-hmm. the course okay. of the thing to make sure people got included. And then the last scene of the play where he's so, so broken and so full of heartbreak and despair. Um, it was, it was a little bit scary to go there because I knew mm. I, I knew I had to go there. I knew it had to be that thing. Right. And you worry as the play is going on, knowing where you got to end up. Mm-hmm. Am I going to get there? Am I going to get there? I'm not feeling it so much tonight. Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think there were maybe two or three shows where I didn't get there, mm-hmm. but mostly I, I felt like I did. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think that's really interesting to, to think about that, you know, of course, cause you as the actor are still present to the experience as the play is going on. Yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it's a craft. It's this incredible right. paradox that, you know, we are living alive on stage. And yet at the same time, we've rehearsed it for a month. Right. And I've done it four times already this week. And I've got to find a way to get here or here or here. You know, so it's it's both um, structured and unstructured. Mm-hmm. Within the structure, there is great freedom. But there's mm-hmm. the structure. Now... I want to I oh, yeah. talk about um, yeah. a production of The Seagull that I saw. Oh, great. Yeah. With Vanessa Redgrave mm-hmm. in London in probably 1982. Natasha Richardson was playing Nina. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was the first time I'd ever seen her. She was okay. Nina's an impossible part. Doesn't yeah. really make any sense. But Vanessa Redgrave, you know, they usually play Arcadna a sort of a very grave lady. And uh, she was like a 14-year-old girl. Hmm. She was, this, the scene where the, she's watching the play, I remember she did the thing that parents often do when they're watching their kids play, so they turn and they talk to them. <laughs> and they, you know, it's like, you know, she couldn't let him have the attention. Hmm. And so she was, and then I remember she with uh, Dragoran, she was just skipping around, you know, and she was way too old and had way too much rouge on. But she was holding on desperately to this girlishness. Mm-hmm. And as a result, the, the disconnect between this, you know, 45-year-old woman behaving completely inappropriately, uh, it was both heartbreaking and hilarious. Mm. And so when you say... These are comedies. It really was. Right. It was as funny as anything you ever saw. Hmm. So I think I think in the plays there is room for that. You know, yeah. I think there have been Vanyas that have been real 
buffoons. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't. Mine was just full of rage and self-loathing. But there are there are Vanyas, I think, that are real clowns. So now, I, I guess it would be you know maybe almost ten years. Yeah, almost ten years since you've done done Vanya. Are are there other characters in the Chekhov canon that you know you're just like, you know, I I never I never looked at this play as having anything for me, but now I'm I'm curious about this part. Or I think, I think all that's left is fears. <laughs> I, you know, I think you're still a little young for fears, Reed. You know, come on. <laughs> but I'm a little old for everything else, so I have I have that to look forward to. I don't know. I you know I. Um, I honestly never really thought about Chekhov and um, I have loved both my experiences doing it because I I was uh, with directors that really encouraged the naturalism of it, that they Mm -hmm. didn't want to impose some sort of 18th century um, froofiness on it. Um, So it could be, it could be a play in which my strengths were allowed to, come to play. Um, I really, I think I mostly prefer modern Mm -hmm. contemporary plays for that reason. Though Chekhov, it's astonishing how modern he is even Mm. today. Sure. That that you see, I mean, Astrop's whole thing about climate, you're just like, whoa, (laughs) dude, we clearly have learned nothing in the last... (laughs) 150 years. Right. <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, uh, this has been a really fun conversation and look into Vanya. And I just have one more thing. What I've been doing now is what I'm calling the lightning round. Okay. And uh, basically I have 10 questions and you're going to tell me if you like the first thing or the second thing, you know, which one, which one do you like? So don't worry, okay. not, not too much pressure. You've done great. I'm sure you're okay. going to ace this too. Um, but, uh, okay. So 10 questions. Here we go. Uh, coffee or tea coffee mountains or the beach, the beach salty or sweet. Mm. Sweet. Okay. Sandwich or salad sandwich, uh, movie or concert movie early riser or night owl. Both. Okay. Kind of both. Uh, spicy or mild? Spicy. Dogs or cats? Dogs. All right. And I, and I threw in a couple of New York ones here. Uh, subway or walking? I prefer to walk, but I, you know, take the subway for convenience. But okay. Walking, yes. Okay. And and sometimes the dogs cat one can be very divisive. But this might be even more contentious. Pizza to fold or not to fold? Oh, you mean to eat when you eat it? Yes, yeah. Um, uh, it's funny to fold, though I never do. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting <laughs> that that's an option. <laughs> well, well, just just think of those words because as soon as I wrote that down, it, it, it reminds me of Hamlet. So to you know, to be or not yeah, to, to just think of, to yeah, just think of just think of Hamlet every time you get pizza and you're right, to fold yeah. or not to fold. Right? I can I can do this. All right, great. Yeah. Uh, well, Reed, thank you so much for for being here. Uh, I really appreciate it. And and again, for those watching. Uh, please, uh, you know, check out the film Mass if you have a chance. It is it is such a beautiful film 
on yes. on all levels. Uh, Are there reacting. any questions people have? Do we? Do you, uh, I, have I, I haven't seen any come in, but I, I've been trying to bring them in, or I haven't seen any new ones come in. I've been trying to bring in, you know, some as they they oh, come I see. up. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the the magic of trying to monitor, you know, yeah, our, screens. our genial host. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, Mass is is a, a fantastic film uh, from first time writer director Franz Kranz. Uh, Franz Kranz is it? Franz Kranz. Fran Kranz, okay. Uh, but he's obviously been doing a lot in New York and, and theater, but his first film, uh, it's great. The acting, the writing, the cinematography even, it's just beautiful. Um, and uh, yeah, you're you're keeping busy in other film and TV projects. People can see you and all the all these different streaming services and networks and you know, you pop up everywhere. So it's great. So, well, yeah, con- congrats on uh, everything you're doing and um, thanks so much for being here. So happy, will- happy holidays. Hey, it's Nathan here one more time. Uh, Thanks so much for tuning in to that uh, entire presentation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I love going back. I mean, every time I watch these, I'll learn something new. Uh, The work is just so fantastic and so deep. Uh, It's just wonderful. So I hope you really enjoyed that. Uh, And like I said, the plan is to roll out more of these. So please stay tuned to the podcast uh, or YouTube. Um, you know, I'll really, I'm really making an effort to, uh, you know, put more of this out there and not just uh, hold on to it and wait for someday. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're not on the email list, go to workingactorsjourney.com. Um, that is usually uh, where you will find out first about things that are coming up. You know, where I first shared about uh, Libby being part of the rehearsal room and anything else that's going on, I probably will be able to email about it first before I'm able to get it out on the podcast uh, or YouTube. Maybe social media, but email is, again, going to be your best bet. So workingactorsjourney.com. It's free to sign up. You can even get uh, a resource. It's called 10 Ways to Stop Worrying and Start Working. Uh, Some of the uh, best advice from, I think, the first two seasons of the show uh, in a PDF. So you get that immediately when you uh, sign up. Uh, You get that free. And then you'll get ongoing notices of what we're doing. So that is it. Hope you're having a great rest of your day. Look forward to sharing more with you soon. And take care. I'm Nathan Agin, and enjoy the journey.